Church, how's everybody doing today? Hey, if you're new here, we just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on, if you're seated, let's stand. We're going to get started. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. Rose, those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead. our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He bore the cross, beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. Remember that fear that So weak that we could barely pray. But he heard every word, every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness tell the story of his faithfulness. Never once did he fail, and he never
victorious he is king overall so in this moment in this morning i want us all to lift our hands and i just want us to start praising our one and only true king god you are victorious we are so thankful that we know we serve the one true god that there is nothing greater there is nothing stronger there is no other source that we can place our foundation upon than your presence than your promise than your power jesus god i pray that we can just be in your presence that whatever it might have been that we came in with, Lord, we can lay it at your feet. That any kind of barrier that was in our way, we go ahead and we knock it down and say, Lord, would you move today? Would you make yourself known? Would you make yourself the king of my life? Lord, I pray that there is a movement in this place that is undeniably you. That there is no way that we can turn to our left and our right and say this was fabricated by man, but this is only by our sovereign king, Lord. I pray that there is freedom in this place today. I pray that there is freedom in this place today. As we continue forward in our service, we believe in the power of prayer, and we also believe in the power of unity. So to help unite us all in our focus on Christ, we want to say the Lord's Prayer together this morning. Would you join with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you believe that, let's give him another shout of praise this morning. He's moving on your behalf right now. Amen. God is so good. I'm so excited for what he's going to do in this place, guys. You have no idea. But for right now, let's turn to our neighbors. Let's give them a fist bump. Let's welcome them. And let's ask them what they're doing for Sunday lunch today because it's going to be amazing. I'm hoping mac and cheese might be in my future personally. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and we're so glad you're here with us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to know how to serve your family best. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't put any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website by going to spirit.church give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, thank you so much for your generosity. Now I've got an announcement for you. In order to get ready for the school year, our Awana team is hosting a training this Tuesday, the 25th, at 6 p.m. Awana is a great way for your kids to learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. If you are an Awana volunteer or you would like to be, please join us for this training. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series, Tell Me Why. Thanks, big guy. Good morning. So glad that you're with us today. Give yourself a big hand for being here today. Come on. This is awesome. I want to let you know about uh, a couple of things that are taking place real quick. I want to tell you that um, starting August the 13th, we are adding back our 8 a.m. worship experience. So that'll take us to three worship experiences. I I'm appreciating the applause because they won't clap at 11. <laughs> like, there's a chance that y'all might come at 8 a.m., but... They ain't getting up that early. So we're going to go 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. for our worship experiences. The last two, so the 9.30 and 11, will have children's ministry available. The 8 o'clock service will not have children's ministry, but it will have breakfast available. The reason we're doing this is that we're in the middle of the summer travel season, and y'all keep coming, and you keep showing up, and you keep reaching one more, and you keep bringing people, and we're going to keep making space for more people to be touched by the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's the best option for us right now going forward is to add back that 8 a.m. worship experience. 
at the info table, there is a sign-up page if you would like to help prepare breakfast. I'm going to talk to you next week about other volunteer opportunities that where your gifts and talents can be used. But this morning, we're specifically signing people up who want to help serve breakfast at the 8 a.m. service. And I don't know if Nicole and David are in this service, but two words for Nicole and David would be um, yogurt bar. Please bring that back. That was the best. That breakfast was so great. Are they right here? Yeah. Please, please. Sign up. No pressure. I just called you out from stage, but please um, sign up to help with breakfast. Yogurt bar. Uh, so that will begin on August the 13th, Sunday, August the 13th. So we're giving you a couple of weeks to prepare for it and to get ready for it. That's also going to be a huge day. That's back to school Sunday. We're going to honor and pray for our teachers. We're going to pray over our students. Sherry has an awesome event for our spirit kids. Pastor Daniel and Emily have a great event for spirit youth that night. So it's just going to be a big day for our church, and that's when we will start back to three services. The next thing I need to tell you, and then we'll get right into the Word, is that in August, on the 1st of August, the Spirit Church app is going to die. Yeah, and it's nothing that we did. Apparently, Danny and Pastor Daryl signed a lifetime contract with the company, and the company's lifetime is over. But I want to be very clear. The Spirit Church app is dying, but Spirit Church is not dying because Jesus is Lord over Spirit Church. Just the app is going away. So we've got a QR code for you. There's a new app that's available. It's the Church Center app. It's not the Spirit Church app. It's Church Center. And the first time you do log in to Church Center, it's a little, it's a little bit longer. It takes you a second. But every time thereafter, it's very quick to log in. It has all the same features that our current app has. So you can still get your sermon notes. You can still pay your tithe online. You can check in online. All the different things that you're used to experiencing on the Spirit Church app. Now, there are going to be some things that work a little bit differently. There is still some bugs. Our staff's been experimenting with this for about a month. And Danny has done such an amazing job getting this ready to roll out. But again, the company is going away. And so we're going to lose that app. Um, in August. So we want to get this QR code to you today and we'll talk to it again uh, next week for you so that you have access to that because I know a lot of you enjoy using the app that way. Um, and so there's the QR code and you can work on getting that filled out for the next 31 minutes while I try to communicate. <laughs> Won't that be fun? All right, we're going to go with our In the Vault text. And if you didn't see this, and let me say that, put it back up for just one second, Dallas, if you don't mind. Give him just an extra second. I forgot to say, our staff is going to be available out at the info desk right after this service if you need help with it. Our staff, and by staff, I mean like Corinne, who's 19. So you know, what I, you know what I'm saying, like our technologically savvy team. <laughs> no, Cheryl's out there, Laura's out there. We've got amazing people that could be there to serve you today. So if you need help with the app, they'll be out there at the info table and that'll help, help get that up and going. We're trying to make it happen before the app goes away. We're trying to give you time to deal with that. All right, enough of that. Would you stand? We're going to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. This is our In the Vault text. It's been our In the Vault text the whole month of July. We've got today and then we have next Sunday is our Quotation Station Day. Now, we've done a lot of cool giveaways on Quotation Station Day, but next Sunday, our friends from Sunset Pops are going to be here. And if you haven't had a Sunset Pop, they are our homemade popsicles that are sold at the farmer's market here in Bartlesville on Saturday mornings. They attend our church, Jason and Sarah Her, and so they're going to be set up with Sunset Pops. You'll go to a Quotation Station, you'll recite the verse, our team will give you a ticket, and on your way out of the building... You can get your popsicle so that you can get a mess over your vehicle, not our carpet. Okay? So you've got all week. Next week, the flavors are going to be strawberry, 
pure sunshine, which is mango and pineapple, and cold brew fudge sickle. And we also have sugar-free options available for those who need a sugar-free option. So memorize it. I was talking to Rory this morning, and she said, I'm not going to be here um, next Sunday, but I want to quote, there you are, I want to quote my verse beforehand because she's already done the first six, and she wants to get all the way through the year and have all 12 verses memorized. So you might be like Rory and say, I'm going for all 12 this year, or you might say, this is going to be the first one, but I'm going to do it. We just believe in hiding the Word of God in the vault of our hearts. It keeps our hearts pure. So here's what it says. Say it with me. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Lord Jesus, we welcome the presence of the living God, which we have felt so strongly this morning already. And we pray that through your word, you would communicate specifically and uniquely to us. People don't need to hear from me today, Lord. They need to hear from you. So fill this house with your voice. We didn't come to see a, a band or a speaker. We came to see Jesus. So Lord, be real in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. In this series called Tell Me Why, this summertime series, we have discussed topics like why do we use our hands so much in church and why do we take communion and baptize people in water? Why do we need more righteous dudes and more righteous women? Why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Why is our faith so important? Why does God care so much about our money? But today we're going to talk about a difficult and a not popular topic, and it's one that we oftentimes avoid. And the, the question we're going to answer is, tell me why Christians have to endure suffering. Maybe at one time in our lives, all of us have wondered, if God really loves me, why wouldn't he take away my pain? If God is truly with me, why is my struggle or my battle so intense? Why won't a great, awesome, all-powerful God just fix all my troubles instead of making me fight my way through them? And then sometimes we make the mistake, and I think we're good-natured in doing it, but we tell people, if you were just saved, you wouldn't have trouble. If you just love Jesus more, nothing bad would ever happen to you. As Christians, we are like on a balance beam. Have you ever seen the Olympians and the gymnasts and they're walking the balance beam and we're like a balance beam or a tightrope walker and we're navigating this tension between enduring problems and experiencing prosperity. And what we have found that is if we get too heavy on either side of the beam, we're going to crash and burn. Now hear me clearly, just to be clear, we are promised in the word of God that we will experience success. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray and I will listen, and if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. It's not on the screen, but in Romans chapter 8, we're promised that we would be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So we're promised that we're going to have success, but we're also promised that we're going to encounter hardships. Jesus even told us that we would suffer. In John 16 and verse 33, he said, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. As Christians, we love the success part of the equation, and we dread the suffering part of it. But one thing that we have to remember is that our lives and our experiences, both our wins and our losses, our highs and our lows, are not just about us. Everything that we encounter, 
Every moment that God places breath in our lungs, we live it and we do it all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31 is very clear on this point. It says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, full disclosure, to be an authentic communicator of God's word, Paul was writing in that chapter about food. They were having a big controversy over what foods Christians should eat and what foods they shouldn't eat. And so he's, he's talking to them about that. And he, but he says, the bottom line is, whether it's food, whatever it is, do it all for the glory of God. And just to clarify that even further, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17, the same man who wrote 1 Corinthians 10 wrote this, Whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this morning, we're going to look at suffering, and we're also going to look at success, but we're going to look at them through an eternal lens. We're going to consider the fact that Jesus suffered, and we too will suffer. That Jesus was victorious, but we too will experience victory. But what if both of our suffering and our successes could all be for the glory of God? See, I want to challenge us, myself included, to see every part of my life as an opportunity to bring glory to God. Because when God is praised in our ups and our downs, in our highs and our lows, in our success and in our failure, He draws people to Himself. And ultimately, that's what it's about. Not that people are drawn to me or my way of thinking or my style. It's that people are drawn to Him. In fact, the true reflection of our hearts would be, Lord, let people not even see me let them see you when they look in my direction. And when we do that, the kingdom of God is expanded. So the first thing this morning is the truth that Jesus experienced suffering. Now, I'll just be honest with you. When you think about preaching messages, this isn't one of the more popular topics that you go after. The, the popular topic is how to win friends and influence people and how to get rich quick and how to be healed and, and those kinds of things. But we've got to be people who study the whole Bible, not just the parts we like. We live in a society that's doing too much of that already where they're just kind of glossing over stuff that's unpopular or untrue. We've got to look at the entire Bible because all of it is inspired of God and all of it communicates directly to us. We know that Jesus suffered. We know that he didn't have to endure suffering, but he chose to lay down his life for us. As we study in the book of Luke, and you can go to chapter 23 if you'd like, we see that he was wrongfully arrested. He was flogged for his crimes that he didn't commit. He was persecuted and forced to carry a cross up to the hill of Golgotha. He hung on the cross and he died. And while he was hanging there, many of the people who were joyfully welcoming him into the city the week before were jeering him and cursing him on the day he died. He not only suffered, but he suffered mostly in isolation. All the people he had healed, most of his disciples, his followers, the multitudes that had come to him for food and for provision and for restoration had abandoned him when his life was at his darkest or toughest moment. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 32, the Bible says there were two others. Both of them were criminals and they were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. So Jesus experienced suffering. We know that, but we just don't talk about that a lot. We wait until Easter time to remember the suffering that Jesus experienced. But it, Jesus didn't experience suffering just at Easter time. He was persecuted all throughout his ministry. I mean, he would even say the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he experienced suffering, but we too experience suffering here on this earth. 
Many of us in this room have gone through difficult situations. Maybe you've had the death of a loved one. Maybe you have a persistent or a nagging pain. Maybe you've lost a job or had a damaged relationship or an emotional scar that won't heal. Maybe in your family there's a cruel sickness or a disease that is a constant reminder like cancer or dementia. Maybe you've been treated unfairly and you deserve better. Suffering, unfortunately, is a reality of life. And at some point, all of us will be faced with some form of hardship. I wish it wasn't that way. And I know of a time when it won't be that way. But while we are here on this earth, it is a reality. In 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse number 19, it kind of speaks to us about this situation that we're living in. Peter writes, God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Now listen to the last line, and you might even want to take a screenshot of that or highlight that in your Bible or star it. He is your example, or I'm sorry, God is pleased with you. He called you to do good even if it means suffering. He called you to do good, even if it means suffering. He called us to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for us, because He is our example, and we must follow in His footsteps. I've been reading and studying a lot about this recently, and in my master's, um, some of my capstone project, I studied a little bit about grief and suffering, and one of the books that we look at sometimes is called Making Sense of Life by Seeing the World from Heaven's View. And the authors of that book wrote this about suffering. The truth is that suffering is unjustifiable and purposeless when seen only through the viewpoint of our time on earth. We see the devastation and we think, what a waste. But when seen from heaven's view, suffering assumes higher purposes that may not be immediately evident and it's that last line that sticks out to me when seen from heaven's view do you know i'm terrible at that <laughs> i only see things from my level I, I i rarely get god's bird's eye viewpoint of why i'm suffering or why i'm enduring persecution or why i'm going through the things i'm going through i can only see it in my context and in my situation but I wonder how my life would change if when I suffer, because we're all going to suffer, if when I suffer, I started to ask, God, what are you trying to do in me and through me in the midst of this suffering? God, how can I suffer well because there's a lesson that I'm going to learn through this suffering that I would not learn otherwise? There's something that's going to be accomplished that would not otherwise be accomplished had I not walked through this valley of the shadow of death. Instead, I just like to mumble and groan and complain about how difficult my journey or my time or my experience is, rather than lean into the greater purposes. And when we study the Bible, these higher purposes, we don't know specifically what they are, but we know maybe God could allow suffering in our lives so that he could bring more blessing into our lives. We see that in the life of Job. Job was the greatest man in all the world at his time, and then tremendous suffering and persecution came upon him, but God blessed him and rewarded him with unprecedented blessing that followed the suffering. Perhaps God takes us through things so that we can be an encouragement to someone else when they go through that same thing that we went through. 
Maybe we lose a family member that we dearly loved, but then a, a time later, we're able to encourage or to walk with someone who also lost someone that they dearly loved. Maybe God uses our struggle to create in us a depth of character that we don't currently have. Maybe he's trying to build something in us, to create something in us, to mature us, and it can't be done through success. He can only do it through the struggle. Regardless of what the purpose is, we trust that God does have a purpose for our suffering, and it's greater than what we can immediately see. Now, since you're so encouraged by my discussion about suffering, let me just stay on this for just a second longer. We will most likely endure more suffering. And I'm just being authentic. I'm not trying to prophesy anything. I'm not trying to be one of those kind of guys. But being a Christian is not as popular or acceptable as it used to be. Society is less permissive of Christian faith and belief and ideology than it has ever been. And we are and we will continue to be persecuted for our faith. I have many of you in this room are great friends of mine and you serve at VOM at Voice of the Martyrs and y'all are doing amazing work. Please keep doing what you're doing and we're here for you to support you. But the, my friends at VOM have shared to me, with me how our brothers and sisters around the world are persecuted greatly for the cause of Christ. This week, I had the opportunity to hear a story about how believers in other countries, when they are identified as Christians, are forced into the lowest jobs of society. They have to become servants in homes. They have to become uh, people who take out the trash. And the worst one was they have to be the people who get inside of the sewers to unclog the drains. Not because they don't have any other skills. Not because they are not educated. Simply because they follow Jesus. Simply because they call themselves a Christian. And rather than deny Jesus, they keep getting in the sewer and unclogging the drain. Do you know why they do that? Because on Sunday mornings, they get to meet together and have church. And they're willing to pay the price because Jesus has paid the price for them. And maybe you and I don't suffer to the extent that we see in other parts of the world. And again, not trying to be prophetic, but persecution will increase in our country. But we're not called to avoid persecution. We're called to endure persecution. We're called to endure it well. It was on the verse we just looked at. We're called to be faithful and hopeful and gentle in the face of suffering and persecution. In fact, our In the Vault text for this month, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, starts with these words. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. And then the last part says, if they speak against you, they'll be ashamed because they see what a good life you live. Why? Because you belong to Christ. But look at the very next verse, verse 17. The very next verse in that chapter says, Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Jesus suffered. And we too are going to suffer. And before we move on, because I know you want to get off the suffering and get to the success point, because I do too. But before we move on, we have to point out that not only did Jesus experience suffering, Jesus is with us when we suffer. And that might be the best thing that I could say to you all day long. Because you might be here this morning and you like, not when I suffer, I'm suffering right now. 
I'm persecuted right now. I'm going through it today in my life, in my journey. There's something that's going on. Can I tell you that Jesus knows what you're going through because he too has gone through it? Jesus knows what it means to suffer because he suffered. Jesus knows how it feels to be persecuted because he was persecuted. He knows how it feels to be alone and isolated and mistreated because of who he is because he was. So when we suffer, we have a Jesus who walks through our suffering with us. But we also have a Jesus who experienced victory. We know about his torment and we know about his pain. We know that he was crucified and laid inside of a borrowed tomb. We know that his disciples were scared and they were confused, but we also know that everything changed on the third day. And is anybody thankful that some godly women showed up at the tomb? Come on. Luke chapter 24, verse number one of Luke chapter 24, very early on Sunday morning, the women. Okay, I didn't know if I'd get an applause or not. The women went to the tomb. I thought all the ladies would be like, yeah, we did. Y'all were snoozing. The women went to the tomb. They took the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And they went in, and here's the best line maybe in the whole Bible. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Because he's not there. Because he's not dead. Because he's alive. He suffered, but now he's experienced victory. In verse number 4, the very next verse says, As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked them, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. So Jesus suffered and will suffer, and Jesus experienced victory, but the best part is that we too will experience victory. Many of us in this room, just as we have seen suffering, we have seen God move in powerful ways. Some of you have been healed. I got a testimony this week of another person who God has healed in our church family. Some of you have seen loved ones come to Christ or led your friends and neighbors to Jesus. Some of you in this room have had chains of addiction broken off of you. You've seen financial miracles take place. You've had great success. Or you might be in this room and you say, I haven't seen any of that. Keep on seeking. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing. Because all of us in this room, all of us who know Jesus will experience eternal victory even if we haven't seen it here on earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says this, Thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 30 from the Old Testament, starting in verse number 9. We've got this one for you. The Lord your God will make you successful in everything you do. That's the kind of God I want to serve. He's going to make you successful in everything you do. He'll give you many children and numerous livestock. He'll cause your fields to produce abundant harvest. The Lord, your, the Lord your God will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you, but there's a really big two-letter word that I'm about to say. If. If. See, there's a contingency there. The Lord your God will again delight in you if. You obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in the book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Sometimes we want victory, but we don't want to obey. 
and we wonder why we're struggling and we wonder why we're suffering and we wonder why we're persecuting is because we're not doing things God's way. But when we do, he says, if you'll keep this command, if you'll follow my voice, then I'll make you successful in everything that you do. Before we move on past this point, I have to point out that not only did Jesus experience victory, but Jesus is with us when we are victorious. We're not alone. You say, well, of course we know that. See, the problem is, sometimes we run to Jesus in our sufferings, and we forget about him in our successes. And we desperately need him when things are bad, and we cry to him, and we pray to him, and we trust him. And where things are good, we just feel like we did it ourselves and forget to go back and say, Lord, thank you for the success that I've experienced. He's there on both sides, the success and the struggle. And as we navigate that balance beam of life and we, we walk through sometimes periods of struggle and sometimes period of success, he's walking with us. He's there on both sides of the beam. And that's why the last point this morning is this, our experiences, our suffering and our success are for God's glory. All of it, not just the success, not just the suffering, all of it is for the glory of God. What if we could learn to live this way? What if we could have this eternal mindset? What if we could see through this heavenly lens all the time that our situations, the things we went through, whether they were good or for bad, were lived out for the glory of God, not for our own benefit? Psalm 115 verse one, it writes it this way, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. All the glory to him, whether I win or lose, whether I'm struggling or successful, whether I'm high or low, all the glory goes to his name. Paul embodied this mindset. He, he had been one who persecuted Christians he went around hunting them down to have them executed. He was as bad, the lowest you could get. And then he wrote most of our New Testament. And we, I mean, the book of Romans is a masterpiece that we base our theological foundations upon. And, and here you've got this guy, and he writes this mindset about honoring the Lord in all things. 2 Timothy 2, 8. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Now, before I go on, I just have to say something and you maybe have never thought about this, but to be raised from the dead, you first have to be dead. You, you probably knew that, but sometimes we go over that one really quick, but you can't be raised from the dead unless you were first dead. So death would be suffering, and his death was a brutal death, but then he was successful because he was raised from the dead. He's been on both sides of the balance beam. And then Paul says, this is the good news that I preach. I preach that Jesus was raised from the dead. And because I preach this good news, now I, Paul says, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But this next line, but the word of God cannot be chained. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glorify God whether I'm in chains or whether I'm free from chains because his truth, his gospel cannot be chained. So he says, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus. And then one last verse here, Peter, he reminds us that um, we're not alone in our suffering. And this is a famous verse. We've all heard this before. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And we stop there a lot of times. But again, my brothers and sisters from Voice of the Martyrs and those all around the world, look at the last part of the verse. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. See, what the enemy wants to convince us of is that no one else has ever gone through the kind of stuff that we're going through. You're all alone. Nobody can understand. Nobody's ever had to go through anything bad. You're the only one who is suffering. No, you're not. First of all, Jesus has suffered. And brothers and sisters around the world are suffering. And the devil thinks he's a roaring lion, but it says he's like a roaring lion, which means he's just a kitty cat. He ain't even that big, bad, and scary to begin with. And then look at the very next verse, verse number 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered for a little while, look at your neighbor and say, just for a little while. Just for a little while. Now look at the other neighbor that you don't like as much. And say, for a little while. <laughs> it's for a little while. We're going to suffer, but it's for a little while. What's going to happen? He's going to restore, support, and strengthen you. And he's going to place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Why? Our suffering and success is for the glory of God. Amen. See, we can't talk about suffering without talking about success. And we can't focus just on success and miss out on the suffering. There has to be a balance. And the balance of it all is the glory of God. If we were a tight rope walker, that would be the pole that we would hold on to while we were walking. If we were the gymnast on the balance beam, that would be our arms. It would be God's glory being revealed in and through us. And we navigate all the seasons of our life for the glory of God, not for the exaltation of ourselves. And when we do that, he walks us through it all. And his name is praised and his kingdom is glorified and expanded. Would you bow your head this morning? That's really what it's about, is the kingdom of God. Jesus is inviting you to be a part of his family. He is welcoming you into his presence. And he says, those moments when you struggle, I've been there. And those moments when you've been successful, I'm there as well. I want to be involved with you in all aspects, all facets, all moments of your life. And it begins by simply saying yes to Jesus. Just making him the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you've never done that, we're going to help you today. There's nothing that we can do to save you. Jesus has already done the work for you. You just have to receive his offer of forgiveness. You just have to confess him as Savior and Lord. You might say, well, I did, I did that, but man, it was a while ago, and I, I'm not even sure of where I am with God right now. Well, let me, let me help clarify it for you. God hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. He's the same. He's faithful. He's just. He cannot change. That's who he is. And his arms, which were nailed to a cross, are now open wide to you, welcoming you and receiving you back from wherever you've been and whatever you've gone through and whatever you've done. He says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. So if, you've here, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, or you said yes to Jesus, but man, you're different, there's been a change, and you know that things are not where they need to be between you and the Lord, this is your moment and your opportunity today. And the prompting that you feel right now is the Holy Spirit. It's just a reminder from God of how much He loves you. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, I, I won't embarrass you in any way. We're just going to pray together as a church family. But would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, pray for me. I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning. 
And if you're watching online, would you just write the word yes in your chat box to say yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I've seen some hands go up in this room already this morning. Anyone else that you want to lift your hand and say, yes, pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you for hands that have gone up this morning. Thank you for those who have been courageous and who have lifted their hands to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So when you lifted your hand, you said, I believe. Now there's that confession, that prayer that we pray. We're going to pray a lot of prayers in our life with the Lord, but this is the first one. So I want to invite everybody in the room, everybody watching online, everybody listening in your vehicle as you're driving down the road and you're on the radio, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you said yes to Jesus, our text line is open to you, 918-766-9117. Let our team know. We want to help you. We want to help you become more like Jesus. We want to help you get baptized in water. We want to encourage you. We want to surround you. We're not quite done. Save the best part for last. So I want to invite you to stand if you would, and I want to encourage our prayer team if you'd come down front and start to line this front part for a second. That'd be our our pastoral staff, our deacons and their spouses that are here, prayer team members. I've asked some godly trusted people in our congregation to be here, to be available to pray with you and for you this morning. You may be here and you might, in that balance beam, you might be pretty heavy on that suffering side. I wanna share one last verse and then our worship team's gonna come and lead us in a song and we're all gonna respond, whether you respond by coming down to the front or just by singing from where you are, we're all just gonna respond to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Look at this part. Our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. I know it probably seems big right now. I know it probably seems perpetual right now. But in the scope of eternity, Paul writes, our present troubles are small and they won't last us very long. Yet... They will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever when we spend eternity with Jesus. So what does he write and tell us to do? We don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. This morning, we're going to worship the Lord. And if you need somebody to pray with you, I invite you just to move from where you are, join with our prayer team, or if you just like to worship the Lord, you can lift up your hands and give him glory. Can we do that right now? Can you just begin to lift your praise to Jesus? Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Thank you that you're here in this place to meet us. I just wanna speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind 
Jesus over your situations in your life this morning because he's here. He hears your prayer. He hears your concern. He knows your need. He knows your burden. And he loves you. He loves you so much. You're the name above all names, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over. thinking about the blessings that come whenever we endure suffering because God is giving you blessings when you make it through the trials and the temptations that you face of this world when you endure it God is going to bless you so today whenever we pray, pray this prayer of blessing together I want you to begin thinking in advance Lord how are you going to bless me this week whenever I continue to say God you are above all things when I go out into the streets and I speak the name of Jesus God how are you going to honor this and bless me through this. So I want us all to lift up our hands towards heaven, and I want us to begin visualizing this as we say this prayer. Don't let it just be something we do. Let it have some meaning and backing to it, okay? So join with me. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God this week.